Hello, everyone. This is the Field Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Pablo Quiroga. Thank you for tuning in today. If you are new, welcome. This is the experience where we explore performance sports, nutrition, meditation, innovation, creativity, heart intelligence, the evolution of technology, and discovery of flow state. And the reason why we do this is to discover the science and intrinsic motivators that fuel us to do what we love to do. Huge shout out to those who are sharing the Field Talk experience on social media with your friends and your loved ones. Uh, Thank you so much. You're amazing. Much love and light to everyone. This week on Field Talk, we get to meet three humans from the cycling world. I had the privilege to chat with Kim, Jock, and Bonaventu from Team Africa Rising. If you hadn't heard of them, I can't wait for you to listen to this podcast. This week on Field Talk, we get to meet three humans from the cycling world. I had the privilege to chat with Kim, Jock, and Bonaventu from Team Africa Rising. Kim forms part of the management team from Africa Rising as the director of marketing and logistics. She has a fire heart, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her on the podcast. Jock was the first American to take part in the biggest race of the world. Yes, the Tour de France. You can view his story in the documentary film, Rising from Ashes. You can find it on Netflix and a lot of other sources online. He's a living legend, sharing his wealth of knowledge, experience, and love of cycling with Africa Rising in other countries. Bonaventu is a rock star, young cyclist, forming part of Team Africa Rising's up-and-coming pro cycling. Currently, Bona is prepping his mind and body for the up-and-coming tour of Colorado. Can't wait to share this week's podcast, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Fuelixer. Fuelixer is the sports nutrition subscription box built for endurance athletes and enthusiasts. Every weekend, thousands of men and women strap on their running shoes, hop on their bikes, plunge into pools to train for the next big race. From newbies all the way to Olympic athletes, these individuals are serious about their sports. Spending thousands and thousands of dollars on equipment, coaching, and training, all in an effort to reach their peak. They don't know it, but they're missing something. The power they are after isn't in the fancy gear or the coaching alone. The real secret is nutrition. And when it comes to sports performance, what you put in your body matters as much as what you do with your body. So rather than shipping subscribers a random box of sports nutrition, Felixer builds boxes using a combination of performance data from Strava, nutrition requirements, and your taste preferences. Felixer sees the types of workouts you do and gets insight into your weekly training volume. They strive to make the experience personalized just for you. So powered by sports nutritionists, ex-pro cyclists, competitive athletes, and a little math, Felixer's journey begins by doing the shopping, researching, and calculating for every athlete. And if you can move, you're an athlete. So Felixer makes practicing sports nutrition a personalized experience for newbies to Olympic athletes. It's easy and it's really fun to get started. Simply go to Felixer.com, connect your Strava performance data, take a quick nutrition survey, and boom, Felixer selects your sports nutrition, gels, bars, chews, hydration, protein, and recovery fuel 
that fit your individual nutrition needs. With Fuelixer, you can unlock your potential and give back to what you are most passionate about. Fuelixer fuels you. And now, let's get ready for the Fuel Talk podcast. Team Africa Rising was founded in 2007. They have exponentially grown the sport of cycling in Rwanda, a country torn apart in the 1994 genocide, and still mentally recovering from such an impactful experience. With assistance from the Rwandan government and the Jock Boyer and Kim Coates have grown the team to the point where it now fields more than 35 cyclists, men and women, in all levels and disciplines. They have team riders like Adrian, who qualified for the 2012 London Olympic Games in mountain biking, and most recently Joseph, who came up through the program and won a stage at the 2017 U23 Giro d'Italia, marking the first stage win by a Rwandan at a UCI race. Let's tune in to the Fuel Talk podcast. Okay, my name's John. Uh, I've been in Rwanda about a little over 10 years now. Uh, I was born in what is now one of the uh, one of the centers of mountain biking, Moab, Utah. So a kind of an odd place to, to be born. My dad was a prospector and surveyor. My mom became an English teacher. I'm not an English teacher, a teacher for elementary school. And uh, started cycling very young when I was 14. Uh, went to Europe when I was 17, raced professionally for 12 years. Ended up staying in Europe for another five, six years after that. So uh, after that, moved back to America in 92 and then uh, spent 10 years in Africa. And now you're calling us here in Wyoming. We have with us Bonaventure from Team Rwanda. And we're very excited to be here soon at the Colorado Classic and Cascade Classic. So he's yeah, not... Yeah, that's... A- He's not going to tell you he was also the first American to ever race the Tour de France. He, he always leaves that part out. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> he is the first, and there's only one first. Wow, wow, wow. So the, the only the only other person that I know or that I've spoken to, we actually did a podcast with him. Um, he, he, he was on the Tour de France. Um, Dave Zabriskie, he was in the... Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah guy's awesome uh really cool guy but geez you're the first one oh my god man it's amazing very cool you just totally opened up uh my third eye and i'm you know i can't wait where this conversation goes <laughs> cool kim kim what about you um so i ended up in las vegas i'll, I'll just start there in 2003 after um i lost my business and kind of went to vegas to see about like, I mean, everybody in Las Vegas seems to end up there because they want a new start over. And Vegas seems to be the place to, like, just reinvent yourself and do over. And so moved down to Las Vegas in 2003. In 2008, like pretty much everybody else in Las Vegas, I lost my home and everything else in the housing crash. And uh, I was kind of like, at that point, I was in my early 40s and said, I can't be doing this anymore. Like, 
you know, something else has got to give. And I wrote in my journal that I wanted to do something around, one, my love of cycling. I wanted to help people, and I wanted to travel. And shortly thereafter, I had this fluky series of events. I read an article about Team One in Outside Magazine in 2008, and in April of 2009, I went to Rwanda to volunteer for three months, and that turned into eight years. I just moved home a couple of months ago. So um, it's been an amazing adventure, and I'm so glad I just stepped like as far out of the box as I could have stepped, and it's been great. And I get to work with young men like Bonaventura, and he's uh, one of our riders, and he's here now training. He just came off a race series in Canada, and he's training for the Cascade Classic and Colorado Classic. So I'll let Bonaventura speak English. <laughs> So I'll let him um, tell you a little. My name is Bonaventure. I am from Rwanda. I am 24 years old. I started cycling when I was 19 years. I've been to Rwanda six years. I'm here for training and racing. Bona has been all over the world. He's um, he raced a little bit in France with the team last year. He was on Team Dimension Data, and he was based in Luca. Bana uh, also has a first. He was the first and only Rwandan still to ever win a stage at the largest African race, the 2.1 uh, Tour of Amisa Bongo in Gabon. And um, funny story about Bana. I, I, I'm sure he'll let me tell it. Um, <laughs> Bona came to us and he tested. So we have a Velotron where we kind of like weed out, you know, we have a certain baseline that we're looking for um, as far as their watts. And Bona came three times and uh, we were always like, well, he's, he's pretty good, but I don't know. So we'd send him back to his club, said, keep training, keep training. And then one day the team came back from training and they always do a sprint at this one arch in Rwanda. And I said, who won the sprint today? And Kiki, one of our other writers, says, well, well, Bono were on the sprint, but really Bono's not on Team Rwanda, and Rocky wins the sprint because Rocky wins Rwanda, and Bono's not on Team Rwanda. And I told Kiki, I said, you give, you go find Bono, you give him 3000 and you tell him to come to camp. So Get over here. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's, Bono's never looked back. He's had some, some really tough uh times racing but he's he's a fighter and he always comes back so that's that's what we love about him i i feel like there's a there's a constant among the three of you uh and your stories and that is something like persistence and fighting um and getting at getting struggling through that that comfort zone you know, put yourself in a position where, um, it's almost like you're going through a metamorphosis and, you know, becoming a butterfly and doing what you want to do, you know, doing what you're passionate about, doing what you love. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know if you guys realize that, but, <laughs> um, you know, it, that's, that's, that's an amazing situation. I think, um, you know, I'm completely new to the bike cycling. Um, and, you know, if, I mean, suffering is cycling, Su cycling is suffering. Um, you have to love 
yourself enough to suffer that much and to push through and to break through into, um, you know, those numbers that you, you want to reach. Um, and it seems like everyone kind of has done that in their own way. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yes. Pretty amazing stuff. So, um, congratulations on, on announcing, uh, your presence at the tour of Colorado. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. really cool, too, because I raced when I, in my amateur career. I did the Red Zinger Classic, and then the year after, won the Coors Classic. So uh, I've done a lot of racing in Colorado, so it's like home. I lived here for a while. Uh, we have a ranch here in Wyoming on the Colorado border, so Colorado is really like home. I love the high altitude, the mountains, the rivers. It, it just the altitude, the, the, the people love to be outdoors. And that's kind of what I like to do. Sure. Sure. Um, I, I want to go a little bit of back into the story of like, like why Africa rising? Like, I mean, how, how did, how did you guys, you know, um, can you give us a little bit of background of how the team actually started? Um, uh, the team started as team Rwanda cycling. And it started in 2006. Tom Ritchie, a friend of mine that I used to race with when I was 14, wanted was going to Rwanda for the second time, and he was organizing a mountain bike and a wooden bike race. And he wanted me to help him out, come to Rwanda. So I, I went for 11 days first. We, we saw and we did the races. I raced, and uh, we saw some talent there. So... Over the next two months, Tom and a bunch of other people kept telling me, you know, you've got you to go back and test these guys to see if we can go to the Olympics or something like that. And so in February 2007, I left for Rwanda for three months, and it's been almost 11 years now. What kind of impact um, do you think, you know, Team Rwanda, just the organization itself, has had in the local community? Uh, it's actually huge, but maybe Bona, what sort of, what happens in the community because of even in just your small village or Sashwara? Do people know about cycling? Yes. Well, there's no people there know about cycling, but now so many people, they know Rwanda, they know cycling is going there. Yeah. And it's and it's actually what's been amazing, and it's and it's thanks to the help from the government, the cycling federation, and the multitudes of people that donate and help us. It's uh, we've actually seen the culture of cycling become something in a country, and that's a rare thing to actually witness a culture starting from nothing and becoming. Uh, it's very close to being their national sport, and it's certainly the most popular. Oh, absolutely. Best absolutely. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, like, I, I, you know, Bana, I, I don't, um, it, it would be, it'd be really cool if you could describe, like, you know, what, what, it, what it means to you to be a part of the team uh, like this. You know, did you, did you ever imagine that this would be happening to you? It means big things to me because I traveling so much around the world is because cycling. 
edit and have an iPad job. And uh, it's, uh, it's make me proud to be with, with my national team and uh, I, I get some, I build my house by myself, it's because cycling, I work hard, I found money, yeah, cycling is good to me. What is cycling giving to you? Like I said, when when I came in cycling, I was I was don't know anything about English, but now I try to talk to you in English. Yeah. That's the thing. Second one is uh, is to uh, build my house by myself. And uh, I win state in Gabon. Is so big things to me. I win my I was, last year. I was the Rwandan champion, and uh, another thing I can say in cycling, Chris, yeah. you love it, and then. You just forget another things and then just focus. Totally. Yes. You get you, you get into that into that flow, you know, and, and where time doesn't exist anymore, and you probably can't even see the trees and you know the river or the mountain or the asphalt in front of you. You just drop into the into that moment. It's pretty crazy. Um, so how many how many uh, riders do you guys have now? Oh, probably about 30 to 35, somewhere in the system, um, whether that's girls, juniors, U23, elites. Um, and two, we have some riders that are starting to retire. The original five riders of those now only one is still racing, which is Adrian Nianchuti, who races for Team Dimension Data World Tour Team. He's the only Rwandan to ever be on a World Tour Team. And uh, those guys, as they're starting to retire now, are becoming coaches and mechanics and swingers and, you know, they're still in our program, definitely, because our job is not just to crank out some cyclists and say, good luck, have a good couple of years. Our goal is to build the whole infrastructure around cycling, even to the point of having Rwandans be in administrative positions or nutrition and and cooks and, um, you know, clubs. In Rwanda, there's getting to be a stronger and stronger club system. So all of these guys, like Bono rides for the top club in Rwanda right now, Club Benediction. Um, And then we pull those riders from the clubs onto the national team for various races. So Bona pretty much does all of the national races right now or international races. So he's, he's really one of the main guys on the national team right now. Right, right. I've seen him online like a bunch of times. (laughs) Lean machine up there, man. Lean machine. Um, Stellar. So what, what, what are kind of like, uh, if we can talk about a little bit about the, um, like, um, the, 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 your most um, important components that go around preparing the cyclist, uh, for their, you know, for their next event, um, you know, 
few, every, everyone knows uh, Team Sky for being extreme, you know, data-driven and scientific-driven. Um, what kind of components are you guys looking at in terms of, um, you know, optimizing your athlete's performance? Um, you know, are you, are you guys doing nutrition stuff, um, the training, you know, sleeping, uh, meditations, uh, breathing techniques? Like, what kind of, what kind of um, tactics are you guys using? Actually, uh, component-wise, we have uh, Sterling Magnell is our head coach in Rwanda. He was a former pro in the U.S., and he's he had enough issues. He's a really tall guy and abnormally tall and always had position issues and nutritional issues and things like that. So he really was good at searching for optimum things to make him, him do well and perform well. And he's relaying that to the riders because the morphology of the riders, they're, they supernate instead of pronate predominantly. They got a lot of flat feet. Position is really huge. They've got abnormally long femurs. So it takes us months and months to get a rider really dialed in. Wow. Uh, Nutrition-wise, actually, we just had a breakthrough recently, and that is through a sponsorship with... Uh, Thorn supplements, and they're out of, I think, Denver. But they have agreed, it's not just a money sponsorship deal. They have agreed because they have a really good bank of, of scientists. They do a lot of RD, they really test their products. They've been in the medical field for quite a while, and they're very interested in black athletes uh, from Africa and to see exactly. Is there some metabolic difference in their digesting and, and processing foods for energy for performance? So they're going to be on board, uh, I think, for years to come. And we are going to be able to raise the level of performance uh, on these riders through getting, you know, they're going to be doing genetic testing, see what they just quickly for them is it we're finding that they digest fats a lot quicker than Caucasians they metabolize proteins easier uh, they get addicted to carbs quicker so we're going to try to dial in their diet and supplements so that if there's any lack or anything we'll be able to see that and address it with a proper supplement that's organic and really helpful fascinating it is. It's actually really exciting. It's something that I've been searching for at least five or six years because I know there's an opportunity and there's absolute zero data out there to help us find the optimum diet for these athletes. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the, the, the research around a lot of those things is it's like less than 1% of where, you know, it, it can be uh, really. <laughs> Cause like m- most of those, most of those tests, you know, if you look at the uh, scientific journals, the tests are, are done with like a pool of, you know, eight, 12 people, you know, um, different age groups, different, at, you know, backgrounds. So it, it would, it would be interesting to, to have a pool of, um, you know, from one team, um, one nationality, from a specific region in the world. That's pretty cool. And we're looking at, I mean, because we also work with Eritrean and Ethiopian riders and just a lot of interesting Nigerians. We've just seen a lot of different things 
come up with these athletes than anything that we've experienced with, you know, American or European athletes. Sure, sure. So what are um, what are the goals for, for the team? You know, um, for, I guess, whatever's left for this season and, and for next year. Uh, the goals for Team Rwanda, obviously we want to do well in Colorado Classic. That is a goal. Uh, we should have uh, qualified for the World Championships. Some of the races we do are really for experience only because they're not at the level of the World Tour level. Uh, we do have an opportunity for Adrian to ride the Delta this year uh, since he's not doing the Tour de France, so that would be a big plus. Wow. Future goals is to get more riders on European teams and more World Tour teams and eventually get a Rwandan to do the Tour de France because that will be significant and that will demonstrate that we've really come a long way in a very short period of time. Absolutely. And it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And just, um, yeah. you've got an amazing rider right now riding from Team Dimension Data Continental Team, Joseph Alleluia. And he just won a stage in the U23 Giro. And that was that was a major breakthrough. I mean, the newer one has won a race at that level ever, a stage for African. So, yeah, that was that was significant. That just happened a couple of weeks ago. And then I saw he was leading in the Tour of Hungary, and then they had to cancel the stage because of the storm. But um, yeah, he was doing well. I I think right now in our current bank of cyclists, he's got a legitimate shot to potentially be the first to to do the tour. Mm -hmm. Have you guys um, experienced any specific, uh, you know, training around the, the psychological aspect of, uh, of perform, you know, of training and, and athletes? Like, um, yes. you know, have you, have you guys, I'm, I'm sure you're, you kind of act like soundboards for everyone, right? Um, uh, it's critical. And one of our challenges has been the lack of education for a lot of our riders. So within our, Team Africa Rising, we have a whole educational portion. It's like Bona said that he's learning in English, but the English he's learning also stems around, you know, race tactics and how they feel and nutrition and life skills, even budget, because, you know, they've never had money before like they do now. So it's critical that they don't just go buy a bunch of iPhones and glitzy things that really don't help their career advance. So we're very, uh, like, you know, I said in the, in the film team, uh, rising from ashes, it's not, it's really not about the bike. It's about, it's centered around the bike because that's our sport, but it's really about building a nation through the bike and addressing all the issues, economic and social that they have, but using the bike as a release element. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's fascinating what you guys are doing besides you, know, you just explained it. I mean, you're building, um, a nation on, on a bike. Like it's like the, the, the bike is just a tool, you know, to start the conversation and, and to teach them, um, what, you know, what they don't know. And what's beautiful about that is I'm sure you've learned so much more, you know, um, in this journey, um, uh, about yourselves, right. Um, at the same time. So it's like a, it's a wonderful exchange. Um, 
So I think, I think that's really, that's really crazy. I think that story needs to, um, needs to, needs to be told. That's why, that's why we're doing this, you know, um, because the effect that the bike has on a person, you can see it in terms of, um, you know, the weight analysis and their mood and, uh, how they're feeling, things like that. But then, you know, we, that, that, that kind of has resonated around their community. They go back home, you know, their family, their friends, family, government, private public entities, they start hearing this noise, you know, cycling, cycling, cycling. And it's such a positive thing. You're getting more people on the bike. You're, you know, growing the economy. You're giving, providing a different avenue for, for a human to develop, you know, into something um, great. Uh, you know, how, who is a part of, who is in your ecosystem of all of this? Like, you know, um, aside from your sponsors too, do you, I mean, do you guys have, you know, um, remote people helping you in terms of, you know, nutritionists and um, maybe even, you know, advisors for, you know, someone like, like Bond, you know, that, need some financial, you know, kind of counseling or something. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know, like, um, are you looking for, for people like that? Um, we have, fortunately we have a really dynamic board of directors because we are a nonprofit in the USA. We have, sure. uh, uh, Dr. Mills from South, we have two South Africans, Dr. Mills, he's head of the Brenters foundation and he's one of the top, uh, political economists for Africa, Colombia, uh, spent years in Afghanistan, and he's a really, and he works a lot with the governments within Africa. So he's one of our top sounding boards for navigating the, the governments that we deal with, navigating, you know, touchy situations, drafting letters for us, because I don't have that sort of experience. Uh, Michael Spicer also who's the president of our board, he was head of an African group that put private enterprise, connected them with governments and trying to make policy that would be advantageous for economic growth and private enterprise. So that's huge. Then we have Thomas Friesnick, whose team just won uh, two gold medals in mountain biking. And he was a silver medalist as a, as a mountain biker and world champion. So that gives a whole different perspective. We also have other people that, I mean, every single one of our board members, uh, uh, Stephen Phillips, he was, he was 10 years at ExxonMobil uh, doing their social responsibility program. And a lot of that was within Africa. We have Shaul Hatsir, who was 18 years with the Israeli military. And uh, he was in charge of all the security for Israeli embassies all over the world. So, we, I mean, those are just a couple of them. And the perspective from each one of them, because we use our board extensively. And we are navigating waters that are foreign to us, even though we might be in Africa. We travel to Northern Africa, Southern Africa, Central, West, East, uh, we're often in conflict zones, so we need we need advice on the possibility of what can, if contact numbers, one call numbers. Uh, so 
and you know it's uh it's challenging but it's also very exciting and as you said earlier we do take home a lot more than you know we might even be putting in we you know we uh we do learn a lot and it's been it's been an amazing ride and i'm sure you can add a couple of no, you okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, you know, we've been really fortunate. The Rwandan government um, has been very receptive, and we really work in partnership with them. We supply a lot of the funding, most of the, the budget um, for the day-to-day operations. And the team comes from uh, donors in the U.S. and some fundraisers and whatnot, but the government of Rwanda has put on an amazing event with the tour of Rwanda, and uh, Jock has met with President Kagame now three times, and President Kagame is he's, he's an amazing man, and he really understands that cycling for Rwanda has rebranded the country. Um, you know, Years ago, when you'd say Rwanda, everybody would be like, oh, my God, they killed people there, and it's horrible, and they had a genocide. And that were those were all the first thoughts. I, I know when I told my family that I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to Rwanda for a few months, they're like, is that safe? And um, so what cycling has done is shown the world that Rwanda is safe and that people from two different sides can come together and race as one team. And... Um, that uh, it's Rwanda's got a beautiful countryside and they've embraced cycling and so the team has really become one of the best PR uh, machines for Rwanda which is really cool and President Kagame recognizes that and he's really helped us with um, giving uh, us the center he's, he's given the Africa Rising Cycling Center to the Federation and the Ministry of Sports so now Team Rwanda has a permanent home in Rwanda and it's a center where guests can come and visit so we're really fortunate that um, you know who would have thought like you know, when I left in 2009, that I get to meet the president of Rwanda. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. And yeah, you know. Another thing he just did, when I met with him about a month and a half ago, I said one of the things inhibiting cycling in Rwanda is the custom duties of 100% for bikes and bike parts. And he said, well, tomorrow it'll be zero. So uh, we changed <laughs> That's and and he has st- stood by it, and that is going to get bike shops in Rwanda. It's going to get this whole influx of. And he said, "I want my people to be healthy. I want not just Team Rwanda to be able to benefit from this, but I want my ministers. I want my people to ride a bike for health because I want healthy people." So. He's very uh, visionary in that sense, and for him to be able to do that and actually act on it so quickly and understand the impact it will have in five, ten years is remarkable. He's definitely a visionary. I mean, hey, I, I think everyone sitting at the table right now is a visionary. <laughs> uh, so, man, yeah, it's... It's incredible. It's incredible the, the the you know the impact that you're having. Um, again, it's you know thank you so much for being uh, an inspiration to a lot of people, especially me. <laughs> totally inspired by this. 
um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, tell me more about, um, I, you, you mentioned something, Kim, and, and the dynamic of the team and how like the two sides of Rwanda have come together on the bike. Can you, um, can you give a little bit more insight into that? Um, you know, Rwandans have come through a really horrific time. Uh, Bona was born during the genocide, or at the genocide, pretty close. Um, ended up in a refugee camp. I mean, every rider has these horrible stories of their lives. In fact, I was just saying to Jeff the other day when we were running errands and oh we had gone out to find Bon on the road because we figured he was probably hungry and thirsty and I was telling Jock I said you know I've kind of been complaining a little bit because I've had some frustrations with some things and I go and here's Bona who you know has lost his mom and born during the genocide and ended up in a refugee camp and he had his cleft lip and palate repaired by some doctor in the refugee camp. And he comes from this incredibly poor town. And because there was no infrastructure after the genocide, obviously the country was decimated. Um, it took 10 years before there was, you know, basic services in the area and an education system. And unfortunately, Bono was caught in that so that decade of just complete chaos. So he essentially lost out of his entire childhood. Things that you and I would just take for granted. You know, Bonham was just trying to stay alive and his family. And um, so I think with the team, all of them have stories like that. Um, now that we're getting into a generation of writers who were born post-genocide when things were stable and the government was good, um, it's starting to change a little bit, but they're around all these guys who came through just traumatic events in their life. And, you know, like Adrian says in our documentary, he got on the bike because otherwise he would think about his past too much. And it was the, it was his way out of, you know, having to bury 60 of his family members when he was six years old. And, you know, the, the trauma, everybody has trauma in Rwanda. You can, you know, all, everybody has post-traumatic stress um, because they, they live through something horrific. But out of that has become, has come something truly amazing. And Doc's got this amazing story. I'm going to let him tell you from Ivory Coast. You want me to tell it now? <laughs> yes, yes, of course. of course. Okay, so in 2007, we were invited to the Ivory Coast Peace Race. And, you know, it was an invitation to a race. They paid all the expenses. So I said, sure. And I, they didn't really, you know, we didn't have internet then. So didn't really figure out exactly you know, what it was all about. And it was sponsored by the the Ivory Coast government and and the UN of all places. I said, the UN sponsoring the bike race? And it was a rev relatively uh, high profile race, so they had Europeans come. And what the UN would do is they would, uh, either through their C-130s or helicopters, they would airlift us as a group to conflict zones. And then we'd have the race in these conflict zones. 
And I remember I was up in northern Ivory Coast in a town called Man, who was who became one of the. It was a hot spot, but it became even worse of a hot spot because year, a couple years later they went through some massive war conflict. And the military detail commander uh, at the time, because every, all the streets and places were lined with military and armored vehicles and all that, and he came to me to the start and he said. Uh, you have no idea what it means for us to see Team Rwanda here. And I looked at him and he said, you guys know conflict. And it gives us hope. Jesus. I mean, I mean getting goosebumps everywhere, man. <laughs> so that's what a little, you know, kids on Lycra, in the middle of a conflict zone in Ivory Coast, that's that's what Sykeman did for that country at the time, and then they got embroiled in more conflict. But they're starting to come back again, and to see Team Rwanda that came from even worse horrific genocide uh, to be in a bike race in all these different zones, you know, these areas in within Africa. Because, you know, it makes a statement, and it makes a statement, and I think that we have really no idea how much it's touched so many people. I mean, we'll never know uh, the inspiration and the hope it gives so many people. Have you seen our documentary yet? Yes, yes. I, I saw it. Um, I cried, you know, a few times, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I saw it a few years ago. Um, yeah, and I, I'm going to watch it again, you know, but, you know, the, the, those things, they hit a spot in, um, in my soul, uh, mainly because, I mean, I've never experienced anything like what Bana has, but, you know, in Peru in the 80s, um, there was a lot of terrorism, and that was the main reason why my, my family decided to move to Florida. Um, my grandfather was in, in he was an officer and then got into politics. He was, he was, you know, pretty much prime minister. And, um, you know, uh, the first time we went back to Peru, um, after my parents moving to Florida when I was like three, I was like nine years old when I went back and we were at the airport, we would get picked up by like, you know, police cars, motorcycles, and we would be in the middle. And I remember like picking up a grenade from the seat in front of me. <laughs> um, and at night I would hear, you know, gunshots. One time we were in traffic and there was just like a wave of people running away from a car bomb. Um, so, you know, terror is, um, is, 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 a, is a very impactful experience. Um, and, you know, having experienced a little bit of that and then, you know, imagining how a whole nation has experienced triple that, you know, a thousand times that. Um, and then seeing a human change their life because of a bicycle and because of people who have a vision like, like you guys, you know, that to me is, you know, ultimate nirvana here on earth, <laughs> you know, having, having that sort of connection, um, and egoless selfishness, um, to go out in the world and, and just do something that, that, you know, is right. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I was, uh, it, it definitely hit me, you know, in that, in that movie, I was like, damn, 
man, I, you know, it, it actually like, I want to do that in Peru, you know, at some point, at some point in my life, like I would, I would love to go to Peru and, um, you know, be some sort of support to like, you know, change these, you know, indigenous communities who live in the Andes, get them on a bike. I mean, they grew up in, in the highlands. They got to have lungs like, you know, aliens. I mean, so, so they have to be good on the bike. Um, it just takes some training, but in, 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 in impact their life, you know, change their life and their kids are going to change and their kids are going to change. And I mean, that's, that to me is, is living, um, leaving a, um, a legacy, you know, if, if, um, if I had all the money in the world and I would just buy homes and real estate and just give it to my kids or something, or, you know, I don't know what would happen like that, but impacting another human being's life and allow them, give them the environment so that they can learn and develop and then pass it on to their family and their kids. And that's, you know, you can drop the mic and walk away happy, you know? So, so yeah. Things that, that makes me happiest too, like with Bana and many of our other writers. I mean, Bana puts his sister through school and, you know, he has the money to do that. And, even though he didn't get a chance at education in the traditional sense, now his sister does. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, this, you're, you're kind of creating the hub where you can have a lot of arms in terms of, you know, education, um, you know, philanthropy work, uh, you know, I mean, farming, you know, I think if, if you talk about nutrition, it'd be awesome. I don't know if you guys have land for farming, but what if you like farmed your own, you know, foods, you turn that food into fuel for your riders. Like, you know, that, that would be sustainable give people work. Well, you know, we who knows? Have a garden, actually. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. So it, it, it seems like it, it just, it's, you're, you're a part of the country, you know, and, and, and it's a bike. So it's amazing. Um, Cool. Is there it, like, you know, you, you have, uh, the, the tour in Colorado coming up. So what's the game plan? You guys gonna, you want to, you want to give me your strategy so the world can hear it. <laughs> oh, um, so well, Bonnie and I have been talking about it. I think Bonnie can win a stage. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. That's, you know, it's gonna be a tough race. We, so we've got Bonnie. And then uh, his teammate on Benediction, which is Gasori. Gasori just won the national championship. So his friend is now the new national champion. Um, and then we've got uh, John Bosco, who he's a climber. We, they call him Sanan because he's like a grasshopper. He's, <laughs> I don't know, six foot tall and this big around, as tiny as a pinky. Nice. Um, if, if Bosco's on it, on a climb, there's really nobody that can catch him. Um, then Jean-Claude, he is, uh, he actually was in the breakaway at the world championships, um, which was epic. And then we have two new riders, Didier and, um, Renee, sorry. I'm just like space that one. Um, they're both 19. So they're, you know, wow. yeah, we're definitely throwing them into the fire. 
uh, Didier and Renee, they did a tour of Eritrea, but that's really the last big race that they've done. They haven't done a whole bunch of big races. So we're using uh, Cascade Classic as a warm-up um, just to get them used to the Peloton. I mean, there's 200 riders in the Peloton in Cascade Classic in the pro uh, race. So they're not used sure. to riding in of a Peloton. So it will be... Um, just getting used to that. And I think like at Cascade, we're hoping that Bosco can do well in the TT. Uh, Bosco actually almost won the national championships. There was a misunderstanding and some of the riders were on TT bikes. Bosco wasn't on a TT bike and he almost beat the guys on the TT bike. So that's significant. The guy has some serious power. So I think we have a really good team. We have some veterans and then we have some new kids and we're very excited to see what happens and it'll, it'll just be a learning experience, but you know, we, we hope to do really well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. I, I, I can't wait. I'm going. So you're going to hear me on the sides, uh, Bonham. You're going <laughs> to hear me, one. man. You're going to hear Colorado. me. Uh, Colorado. Perfect. So I'll meet you. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have, uh, we'll see if they have any proven food out there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can have a Peruvian night at our house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But during the race, I'll, you know, man, I'll, I'll, I'll be chasing you up a hill, you know, so <laughs> yeah we're, we're very excited and you know this this colorado classic has kind of been like a four-year labor uh we talked about it four years ago at interbike with uh, steve bruner from kom sports and out of denver and you know we had this idea hey let's do this and it just didn't work and didn't work the next year and then the next year the the usa pro challenge wasn't and then this year it comes back as Colorado Classic and everything just aligned and really you know Thorn came on board and then all of our regular sponsors are are here Louis Garneau's doing a special kit for the race and cool. you know, got our CD shoes or Oakley glasses or Reynolds wheels and our yeah glasses. so yeah the time is now man the time is now it's gonna be good yeah. it's gonna be good but thank awesome. you awesome uh, for all your support, I mean, it's really, it's really good. I'm glad you, uh, you're a like-minded person. Beautiful. No, it's 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 all my pleasure, man. It's all my pleasure. Um, do you guys do you guys want to give any any shout-outs maybe to uh, to your sponsors? You know, your support team, uh, people have you know been along with you on your journey, and then uh, maybe you can uh, share with us some of your online. Um, handles, you know, where people can reach out to you. Um, if, you know, people want to sign some big checks and throw it out, you know, <laughs> to, to team Africa rising, they, they know where to go. Uh, this is your time. Hit it up. This is what's really cool about our industry sponsors is that they've been with us since the very beginning. Uh, as you know, I've been in cycling for 47 years now, so I do have some context within the industry. And all of the guys, whether it be Victoria Tires, Louis Gardel, CD Shoes, I mean, I would go up to Rosella from CD and I said, you know, I don't want your new stuff. I don't want your, you know, your current stuff. Just give me some of your old give stuff. Give me anything. Victoria Tires, the first shipment was 1500 old tires but they were open wow. 
that were like were sixty dollars each, but they had a funky color and they didn't sell. And for us, they were like gold. They were just right. like riding like on the top tires. They were orange, but who cares? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's like Oakley, Steve Blick at Oakley was gave us, he said every year, he just, okay, you, you know, I'll give you another 15, 15 pairs of glasses, you know, current model. Uh, Reynolds wheels, they came over to one of our first two of the 2009, and they said, we're supporting you. And they've been a supporter ever since. And that means we get carbon wheels every year. So we're on top, top equipment. Campagnolo gave us like this massive discount along with Pinarello bikes. So we're on incredibly top of the line Tour de France bikes for a very low cost. Celitalia gave us, you know, saddles every year. Uh, We've got Look has been on board ever since the very beginning. So we've got Look, you know, We've got really good equipment, and it's because of the industry was willing to support us for, you know, a decade now. And even companies like Jaguar and Topeak, they would give us bike bags, park tools, tools, and where they would give us stuff that not necessarily would be seen by the public, but they knew that it would help us immensely because of all the maintenance and everything like that. So... We've got that, and then you have all our website info. Yeah, what what is really exciting about being able to race in America, the last time we did was um, 2007, um, outside of the World Championships in 2015, but in 2007 we did Tour de Gila and Hood River Classic. And, you know, all these sponsors just gave because they believed in what we did, and they sure did not expect any visibility, probably knowing that giving to us was kind of financially a losing proposition. And it's really awesome to come to America and have all of our sponsors and and get them the publicity that they so deserve because they, they've stuck with us and they've just done it out of the goodness of their heart. And it's not a line item necessarily on the budget. It's it's because they believed in us, and so we are really thankful. Um, so you can find out more information about the whole program. We have our website is teamafterrising.org. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Team Rwanda, and we're also on Twitter at Team Rwanda Cycling and Instagram. And we are very active on all of our social media because that's the only way we get the world to know who we are and what we do. So you'll see a lot more of us, especially now in, in the U.S. So we're really excited. Everybody will get here on July 14th and spend uh, a month here in America racing and training and practicing English. Beautiful. There you have it, guys. Team Africa Rising.